Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Love Ministries podcast. We are in the fourth message of this series on Advent, and this particular candle in, in the tradition that I've been walking through, this fourth candle is called the Angel Candle. And um, we began with the Prophecy Candle, the Bethlehem Candle about Jesus being King. The last one was the Shepherd Candle about the message being about peace and joy. And uh, now this one's the Angel Candle, which this is going to lead up into Christmas. And so usually the fifth candle is the center candle, which is the one about Jesus himself. Oftentimes is on either Christmas Eve or Christmas Sunday that things are talked about about who Jesus is specifically. And I'm just going to kind of combine both that angel and Jesus candle as um, if you're listening to this, Christmas will be coming up this Sunday, actually. So anyway, we're going to kind of combine those two, the angel candle and the Jesus candle. Now, the angel candle, again, and these were these were messages that I've preached over the years. In fact, every single Christmas Eve, we would do a Christmas program that centered around these five candles. And it was always fun because we'd find new songs and new dramas and all kinds of different things to kind of talk about the theme of each of the candle. And the angel candle, though, the theme, the message, the idea that we put with the angel candle was the fact that this entire birth narrative of Jesus was surrounded by the supernatural, surrounded by supernatural power, supernatural beings, supernatural elements about even Jesus' very birth. And in that regard, you know, every now and then I used to crack up because you have this, like there's excitement. It could come across like the excitement was that a baby was being born and you wanted to go, uh, a lot of babies are born like all the time, every day. It's not that a baby was born. It's that it was this particular baby was born. And in the past, especially two messages ago, the fact that the Bethlehem candle was the fact that this baby was the fulfillment of prophecy, that this baby was the one that was going to be born or was born in Bethlehem according to prophecy, and that this baby was the Davidic king who was promised who would reign forever. So this isn't just any baby, but the angel candle is the one that especially says that, okay, yes, it's true, he's born king of the Jews, but it was the one that was fulfilling the prophecy to David. And uh, But that's, as it were, in the natural sense of things. But Now what I want to do is to just focus our attention for a moment on some of these really incredible supernatural elements. And of course, the first one, which we've already alluded to, is angelic appearances. I mean the fact that this particular birth has angels coming and announcing things. I don't know who else, well, outside of John the Baptist, but there are not many who, when they are born, have angels come and announce their birth. Just the fact that they are angels. We don't see angels all the time. Angels are in the presence of God. Angels are unseen. But suddenly angels become a significant part of this experience because this is about God. This is about something way bigger than just fulfilling a prophecy and about a baby being born to continue the reign and rule of David, as it were. And remember also the shepherds had an angel come and then this whole heavenly host. But I just wanted to highlight two other moments in terms of angels, and that's Joseph. Joseph, after he'd considered, it says, divorcing Mary because he discovers that she's pregnant, 
It says an angel of the Lord appeared to him a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins, which is what the word Jesus means. But the other one is really kind of fun, is, and it's really the first angelic experience, and again, supernatural experience, is Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad. Remember, he's doing his time in the temple, and the angel Gabriel shows up and tells him that Elizabeth's going to have a son, to which he says, well, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God, excuse me. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And of course, if you've been hearing the story and even in church probably over this month is that you know what happens is that finally John the Baptist is born and Elizabeth says you need to name him John. And they go, well, there's nobody in your family line named John. And They look over at Zechariah, and then he uses um, something to write on, and he says his name is John, and at that moment, he can speak. And it's really great because it says, Immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And all the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. And everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand is clearly with him. So even from the get-go, it's the fact that it's shrouded by this whole kind of atmosphere of the supernatural, and angels are part of it. But I think the one that we need to focus on most is Jesus himself. And this most incredible statement that actually is a part of our very Christian creed, and that is, Jesus is a -a one-of-a-kind, unique baby. What do we mean by that? Well, remember what Gabriel said to Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. To which Mary says, how will this be? And she says, because I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Again, the amazing thing is that he's from the line of David, but he's not from Joseph's direct seed. He's born of God that a virgin conceives, which, of course, is in fulfillment of prophecy. In Matthew 1, 22, 23, Matthew writes, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Did you hear that? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Again, the most incredible thing, the incredible mystery and supernatural element of this Christmas story is the fact that God became a man and dwelt among us. God with us again. This is so amazing, so miraculous, so really unbelievable, and yet at the same time so important 
I think way back at Summer Around Easter, which I did in one of my first podcasts, was about calling Easter Resurrection Day. And that I'd mentioned that I wanted to rename the main holidays, that Christmas would be called Incarnation Day. Easter would be called Resurrection Day, and the day the Holy Spirit came, Pentecost, would be called Invasion Day. Well, this is why. This is why to want to call Christmas Incarnation Day, because somehow we need to give it language, we need to give it a name, that it's this supernatural element that Jesus was not a normal human child, that somehow, some way, conceived by the Spirit, and yet birthed by Mary, carried by Mary, Jesus is somehow fully God and fully man, and that he is God among us. Later, John writes, we all know this, where he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Let me say it one more time. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember at one point in John chapter 14 when I think it's Philip who says, Jesus, just show us the Father. Just show us the Father. That's all we ask. To which Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And see, the thing about the incarnation, the thing about God becoming a man was that first and foremost, he came to reveal God to us. Who God really is, what he's like, his heart, his character, his behavior, all of this, Jesus came to reveal God to us. It's remarkable. This is why we celebrate Christmas, because God, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. But at the same time, remember that the angel also said you're supposed to call him Jesus, because he would save the people from their sins. Early in John's Gospel, when Jesus was coming toward him, John yelled out, Look! the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Later with the disciples, he says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In that final Passover, Jesus says, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Or in John 3, 17, he says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And later, 1 John 2, 2, John writes, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Friends, brothers and sisters, the remarkable thing about Christmas is it just, it's not just that it fulfilled some Old Testament prophecies, but that something supernatural, so incredible, so amazing happened that we discover that God is one God in three persons, and one of those persons was willing to come and become 
human so that we could experience grace and truth, that we could experience and see and know God up close and personal. And especially that he came, as I mentioned, the Bethlehem candle, he came as king. But instead of coming to reign and to rule in that moment, he came the first time with two purposes. One was to reveal God to us. But the other was to give his life as a ransom for many, that his blood would be poured out for the forgiveness of sins, that he would be the lamb who would take away the sin of the world. That's why he came the first time. And again, I, I, I don't know theologically necessarily if this is right, but in my mind, it seems to me that if Jesus were purely man, he might have been able to die for one other man. But that's it. It's the fact that somehow, some way, that Jesus is fully man, dying a fully human death, and yet somehow he is also fully God, that only God could die and take on the sins of the world, atone for the sins of the world. Only Jesus, as the miracle Son of Man, Son of God, could do that. But again, it's about Advent, right? It's about remembering the first coming. And that first coming was to reveal. That first coming was to save. But then the writer of Hebrews says this great statement, Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. To save those who are eagerly waiting for him. What do you mean save? I thought you just did. I thought you came and dealt with our sin and you saved us. Well, this is the other supernatural element, folks, that I think we've got to see as a part of the longing and the waiting for the second time that Jesus comes. Because the second time Jesus comes, he will come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But when he comes, he's going to come and he's going to do something supernatural, something so great When he comes back, he's not going to just set himself up as king on planet Earth and again, just run a normal human government. He's going to come back and he's going to change everything. He's going to make a new heaven and he's going to make a new earth. And it says that he's going to triumph over death and death and the devil are going to be thrown into the lake of the fire. Talk about bringing change. No politician has any idea about offering change, the kind of change that Jesus is going to bring. Supernatural change. Unbelievable, powerful change. It's not going to just come and establish something here on the same old earth. We're going to get a new earth. We're going to get a new heaven. We're going to get a king that's going to reign and rule forever and ever. The lamb who sits on the throne. And above all, he's going to give us new bodies. Paul says it like this. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Hallelujah!
Man, as I was out walking and praying about this, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, talk about us waiting for the second advent, the second coming. The first waiting, yay, he came. He revealed the Father to us, and he came and he died for our sins. But when he comes back, let me put it this way. When I'm out walking, I've mentioned somewhere along the line that I've got type 2 diabetes, that I have peripheral neuropathy in my feet. They hurt all the time. When I'm out feeling that pain, I think about so many others who are suffering with pain, chronic pain all the time. You know, the amazing thing about that second coming is that second coming is going to come and death and the devil are going to disappear. No more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more illness. We are going to be changed. Heaven's going to be changed. The earth is going to be changed. And our human bodies are going to be changed. This whole thing is supernatural. Never mind just angels. Never mind other kinds of extraordinary things where the Magi see a star. I mean, we're talking cataclysmic, unbelievable, whole, complete change, including our very bodies. Man, talk about longing, waiting, yearning for that second coming. Woo-hoo-hoo! <laughs> Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, reign and rule. Come finish what you started. Come bring it all, Lord. We can't wait. We can't wait, oh God. Because you're going to come and do something so extraordinary, so amazing. And you know, my last thought I want to leave you with then is, remember that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 4, he says, For while we are in this tent, right now we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Oh my gosh, hallelujah, that we do not belong to the the religions out there that think we're going to be reincarnated yuck. I can't imagine anything worse than us staying on this planet and coming back as something else on this planet or for those that are atheists in their belief and think that it all ends in nothingness. I'm telling you, what we are looking forward to is mind-bending. And the best part of all, it's not just wishful thinking, hopeful thinking. It's based in an experienced reality of the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Wow. So brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, as you're approaching Christmas, yes, we celebrate something so extraordinary and something so awesome. But by the same token, I pray that we would be somewhere in our Christmas celebration, thinking and longing and excited and filled with joy about his second coming. Because when he comes again, oh my gosh, we're talking supernatural beyond anything we could ever dream or imagine. And it will be permanent, and it will be forever, and it will be amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Merry Christmas to you all.